we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Greetings and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today we're going to be exploring some tests. Tests? Some psychic tests. Yes. Okay. Do you remember James Randi? We brought him up on the show before. Uh, yeah, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I, he used to be one of my idols. I've kind of like shifted back and forth on him. Oh, fuck that guy. I go back and forth. Fuck that guy. He's interesting. He's he's a complex character. He was a... But he did that like $1 million... He was a zealot. Yeah. He'll give you a million dollars if you can prove that you're a psychic. Would he though? I'm pretty sure he reneged a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, nobody ever got the million. Goal post moving son of a bitch. <clears throat> that test, it's being done today. Okay. Well, he has a lot of fans. Yeah, not no, not by James Randi anymore. Well, he's dead. But <laughs> he's dead as fuck. He's dead as fuck. By a variety of different organizations, but in particular today, we're going to be talking about the Center for Inquiries Investigations Group's half a million dollar. $500,000 reward for if you can prove that you're psychic. We're going to be going through a few of their investigations. We're also going to be talking about where did the Center for Inquiry come from? Like, what do they do? Yeah. What What is that place? They are a skeptical organization, and I would consider both of us to be skeptics. Yeah, well, it's a different kind of skeptic. Different kind of skeptic. I'm going to hazard a guess, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean... I'm a lowercase skeptic. I'm skeptical of things. I don't just believe shit. Right. There's a different kind of skepticism, though. Mm-hmm. That different kind of skepticism is hardcore rational materialist, like right. zealously rational materialist. And I'm not that kind of skeptic. Nor am I. You know? I would say that like my skepticism is kind of disingenuous because truly I do want to believe. Well, but that so that's the thing. A skepticism <laughs> doesn't skepticism doesn't mean that your default is rational materialism. Mm-hmm. Skepticism means that you don't just take things at, on, face, at face value, value you and say. you're also not automatically trying to debunk them either. You're just trying right. to get evidence and see what it says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the capital S skeptic has a default reality that they think is the correct one and must be, you know, that's the one that you have to prove that you're not in. Right. right? Which is, makes it tough to prove a negative, but. Now I think the center for inquiry skepticism, I kind of dig it. I kind of don't, but I do like that. They have this idea, you know, where there are extraordinary claims, there needs to be extraordinary evidence. So let's test it because, you know, if these things do exist, if psychic powers do exist, let's prove it. Well, if we can. Here's like, and I'll you know state my bias up front for the upteenth time. The one paranormal phenomenon I will just go to bat for um, as a thing that like I'm fully on board with the existence of is psychic phenomena, psi, ESP, and I think that anyone who has done any extended amount of testing for themselves about the reality of things like remote viewing. Um, and, and other types of psi phenomena. It's very easy to prove to yourself that it is real. The problem is, the problem is that you're dealing with something that is inherently subjective. Oh yeah, right. That's so what part if you're what if you're in a room full of thirty people that totally don't believe you? Right. And like they say that they're skeptics, 
and that they're not debunkers. But really, they're not doing this to prove that psychic phenomena is real or not real. They're doing it to confirm their own bias, that it probably isn't real. And it's further complicated by the fact that, you know, it while belief seems to have a function in psi phenomena, that could easily be a cop-out. Right. Right? But it also does seem to play an effect. How do you measure belief, You too? can't. And so it's like, the question then becomes... Is the scientific method itself the be-all, end-all for deciding what's real? And like, that's a big question. Yeah. I, I personally see, no, it shouldn't be. It's a tool in a box of many, but there are some things that just sit, lie outside of it. I agree. Well, before we go any further, we're going to pull our tarot card for today. It's really easy for me to get all fired up about this topic. No, me too. (laughs) This is going to be a silly episode. All right. But it's also going to be interesting to talk about the benefit and I guess consequences of of what a foundation like the Center for Inquiry does. Like, I think that there is a useful place for it because a, a balance is necessary. If it's a thing that's possible to be tested, but if you just default to like, oh, this needs to be tested by this way that you can't test it, it's right. always going to come out that well, it's... And the way that it's tested is so... It's so silly. Like, we'll give you half All a right. million dollars if you can prove that your dog can... I don't know. Prove your psychic powers. My dog can do anything. (laughs) All right. The world. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's our tarot card. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. Yeah, it do just be like that, don't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It do. It just keeps on rolling. World keeps on spinning. The skeptics and the psychics hating each other day in, day out. (sighs) The world. Yep. That's that's a good card. So the first individual that we'll be talking about is a Mr. Paul Kurtz, actually a Dr. Paul Kurtz. Not Colonel Kurtz? (laughs) No. (laughs) So he's the founder of the Center for Inquiry, but before it was ever the, the Center for Inquiry, it was the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. Ah, fucking nerds. It's too much. So Paul Kurtz, he's been called the father of secular humanism. And he devoted his career to debunking paranormal phenomena and pseudoscience. It's a professional wet blanket. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I kind of like him, though. I don't know. I feel like there's two sides of every coin. Yeah. You know, there's got to be the two sides to make it interesting. It's it's true. <laughs> you, need, you need a heel. You know. <laughs> Dr. Kurtz once defined his vision as 
defending the philosophy of skepticism, especially as an antidote for public gullibility and the values of the secular and humanist outlook. Okay. You know, it sounds lame. It, it does, sounds fine. I just know what's behind all of it. You know? I think that it's I think that it's a good thing. I think that it's a necessary thing. Ah, I understand why you say that. I wish yeah. it was. I wish it was. <laughs> I, I really, really fun- do. Although, actually, this it does get kind of fun. That's the thing. Paul Kurtz will like bow out at a certain point and be like, all right, organization, you're getting a little bit too you're crazy. a little crazy. But originally it started out because uh, in the 1970s, there was a lot of cults popping up, a lot of like sure. weird new age religions, Harry Krishna, whatever people like Yuri Geller purporting yeah. their Uri, sorry, Uri Geller. Yeah, but like Uri can do shit. Yeah. His his psychic spoon bending and shit. Hey, man, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uri don't factors know, into this so much. I, I love he it. He doesn't have to, but I made sure that he did because, because it just is relevant to all of yeah. this, this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Winter Kurtz. He was born December 21st, 1925 in Newark, New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> Whatever. He described his parents as a businessman and a homemaker. They're free thinkers. They were free thinkers. And uh, during World War II, he served in the army in Europe, participated in the Battle of the Bulge, and he was in a unit that saw Dachau and Buchenwald concentration camps soon after their liberation. So he went through a lot of wartime bullshit. Yeah. Probably not a great time at all. After the war, he studied at New York University under philosopher Sidney Hook. He graduated and then went on to earn a doctorate in philosophy from Columbia University in 1952. He taught at a bunch of colleges, and then he joined the State University of New York at Buffalo, and he worked there for like 30 years. In between that time, he developed a distaste for religion because, you know, having served in the military, he kind of realized, hmm, seems like religion is used as an excuse to commit a lot of uh, violence. Well, yes. Everything's used as an excuse to commit a lot of violence. True. True. It's true, not just religion. No, ideology, any any type of... In general. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1969, he created a Prometheus Books, which was a publishing house that released titles by authors like Martin Gardner, Isaac Asimov. He's also the founder of the Committee for the Scientific Investigations of Claims of the Paranormal, like I said, the precursor to uh, the Center for Inquiry. This began in the mid-70s. Now, what is um, secular humanism? Because that was kind of like the field or the ideology that he pioneered. And this is from the uh, Center for Inquiry website. Secularism, it means anything that doesn't in any way involve religion. So just non-religious. Yeah. It's not in opposition to religion. It doesn't mean anti-religion. It just means not including religion. Secular humanism, therefore, is a non-religious worldview rooted in science philosophical naturalism and humanist ethics a lot of big words there yeah i mean i know i know what they we know what they mean though they're not too big so they they shouldn't be no basically instead of relying on faith religion mysticism secular humanists instead use their critical thinking their actual real life experiences and compassion empathy problem solving to find solutions to the problems that we all face as human beings Instead of looking to God for a solution, they'd say, how can we do it ourselves? 
instead of uh, waiting for somebody else or a higher power to do it. Right. I think what's what's interesting is is it's again like it's this core assumption that the scientific method is the be all end all. Right. That it has to be one or the other. Right. Like that. And it doesn't. It and yeah, and that's just kind of like the scientific method was invented by Francis Bacon in the fucking 1500s. Like that's when it was invented, and a lot of shit got done before that. Like yeah, it's a great way of getting shit done. It's a really useful tool, but. There's, there, I'm not going to say it's not unnecessary. I haven't seen a good reason why it should be the base assumption about how reality functions. Also, a lot of people don't base their reality off of that model. So if the majority of people have sort of this more, I don't know, mystical model, this more uh, bicameral thinking, then yeah, science is well and good. But a lot of people still have religion in their life and right. superstition in their life. So let's meet them where they're at. I mean, the most there like, is something to that. Most skeptics and secular humanists would say, well, but they're wrong. So mm-hmm. why should we? Because they're wrong. So why should that matter to something? Think I think it true? does matter. They 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 want the data. Yeah. Just go where the data, you know, I don't know. It's a it's a lot harder of a question than I think a lot of like capitalist skeptics give it any sort of credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So secular humanism um it's this idea that we can like build a better world for ourselves and for future generations, not through religion, but through reason, through ideas, through taking personal responsibility for our path. Um, furthermore, it maintains that through a process of value inquiry informed by scientific and reflective thought, men and women can reach rough agreement concerning values, crafting ethical systems that deliver optimal results for human beings in a broad spectrum of circumstances. So like this idea that we can figure out how to be, how to function through inquiry. Yeah. 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 Through testing, through repeating tests, through. Yeah. So some uh, famous secular humanists include Carl Sagan, Arthur C. Clarke, Frank Zappa, interestingly. Well, Frank Zappa didn't do drugs. (laughs) It's true. Albert (laughs) Einstein, Bill Nye, Richard Feynman, Stephen Fry, Stephen Hawking, blah, blah, blah. Lots of secular humanists. But Paul Kurtz being the daddy of secular humanism and the founder of, uh, I'll just call it Psycop. The Psycops. It's easier than yeah, saying yeah, yeah. committee for the scientific investigation of claims of the paranormal. Yeah, no, Psycop's good. That's a good... Um, yeah, Psycop. Yeah. So Psycop was established April 30th, 1976 at an international symposium at Amherst, Amherst campus at SUNY Buffalo. And the topic of this symposium was the new irrationalisms, anti-science and pseudoscience. And before this conference, uh, Paul Kurtz put out an announcement, which said... There has been an enormous increase in public interest in psychic phenomena, the occult, and pseudoscience. Radio, television, newspapers, books, and magazines are presenting the case of psychic healing, psychokinesis, immortality, reincarnation, Kirillian photography, orgone energy, psychic surgery, faith healing, astrology, the charges of the gods, UFOs, Dianetics, astral projection, exorcism, poltergeist, and the talents of Uri Geller, Edgar Casey, and Gene Dixon. Often, the least shred of evidence for these claims is blown out of proportion and presented as scientific proof. Many individuals now believe that there is considerable need to organize some strategy of refutation. Perhaps we ought not to assume that the scientific enlightenment will continue indefinitely. For all we know, like the Hellenic civilization, it may be overwhelmed by irrationalism, 
subjectivism, and obscurantism. Perhaps anti-scientific and pseudoscientific irrationalism is only a passing fashion. Yet one of the best ways to deal with it is for the scientific and educational community to respond in a responsible manner to its alarming growth. With these thoughts in mind, we are forming an organization tentatively called the Committee to Scientifically Investigate Claims of Paranormal and Other Phenomena. We wish to make it clear that the purpose of the committee is not to reject on a priori grounds and to seat into inquiry any or all such claims, but rather to examine them openly, completely, objectiveness, objectiveness, and carefully. We do not yet know how large our committee will become or how ambitious its efforts will be. We have invited leading scientists and experts in many fields to join us in this important endeavor. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I like that Paul Kurtz decided like, hey, I guess I'm I'm just going to present myself as the spokesperson for being uh, skeptical of all of this stuff going on right now. Sure. Although I'm sure a lot of people were. But to uh, create a, a whole committee around it. Yeah, well, I mean, because that's the thing, like, you know, there had been um, I wish I I want to do an episode about like the uh, fucking uh, Duke University parapsychology program. And shit that happened, I believe, in, like, the 20s and 30s. Like, there was a while where uh, parapsychology was understood, like, oh, yeah, no, this is, like, a field you can actually study. This is a thing Mm -hmm. that happens, right? I think where Paul Kurtz came in was wanting to make sure, like, okay, people are studying these things. Are they putting enough protections in their studies to make sure that they're not being fucked with? Like, how... How... Strong are their safeguards, basically. Right. Like, where is this idea that UFOs are alien spacecrafts visiting Earth and, like, abducting people to do medical and sexual experiments coming from? Like, where is... How can we examine if that's actually true or not? That's a good kind of skepticism. Yeah. How can we see if near-death and out-of-body experiences are actual evidence of a literal afterlife? Like, is there a way to measure that somehow? But I think, but and I think that that's the good question. Is there a way to measure that somehow? Yeah. Not, the question isn't, how can you prove that by our standard of measurement? Right. Right. Like, do we even have those capabilities? Yeah. Is is there a way to prove that? Mm-hmm. If it's and I think that's pro- the fundamental problem with testing sacred phenomena is there's not really. Right. Like, how would you test like palm reading? Yeah. Like, there's no standard measurement for if the lines on your hand correlate to your life events. No. I mean, because there's also no standard measurement for like what those lines mean. I mean, maybe there's a, a mutually agreed upon version of it but same with like astrology it's not all cut and dry black and white exactly and, and of course the capital s skeptics favorite thing to do with astrology is that whole trick where they just write one generic horoscope for every sun sign and say see it's all everyone thought they agreed with it right you know whereas it's past weekend at like 3 a.m uh two of my buddies who are both pretty skeptical fellers I busted out my tarot cards. I destroyed their fucking minds. Yeah. You know, and then I read their uh, natal charts too and got very fucking specific and personal mm-hmm. about it. And it destroyed their the fucking sign. minds. But it's also about me. Yes. And doing the thing. With them. It can't not be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I see some weird shit from remote viewers. Oh, yeah. 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 That's the thing. So, like, I respect what, what Psychop is doing. Yeah. I respect and, the impulse, yeah, if and not the execution. I also respect what, what the opposite side of the coin is doing and yeah. trying to, like, prove psychic phenomena. But I think that 
both sides, they're not gray enough. They're they're black and white on either side. One side wants to prove that it's true because they believe it's true. The other side wants to prove that it's untrue because they believe that it's untrue. So found most genuine psychics and most genuine believers of psychic phenomenon don't really have a need to prove that it's true. No. You know, it's usually yeah. the con artists that need to prove that it's true. It's true. <laughs> just so it's just a clusterfuck. It's the world. Yeah, the most authentic people will tell you they don't know what the fuck is going on. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, listen. I do have some research for the the, the end of this episode. That uh, Oh, perfect. Yeah. One thing I, I think is, is kind of interesting that the PSYCOP did is they filed complaints with the FCC um, about an NBC program called Exploring the Unknown in 1977. Um, and it was like this documentary-ish program narrated by Burt Lancaster about psychic surgery from mm. Filipino faith healers. Yeah, yeah. About like how you could remove tumors and shit with, with psychic forces. And they went after NBC to be like, hey, maybe don't air that. Maybe don't push that. Which, actually, I don't think that's cool. I think... <laughs> I mean, fuck it. People are dumb enough to believe it. Like, it's entertaining. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I ultimately land at the end of the day. It's like, you know what, Animal Planet, if you want to put your bullshit mermaid documentary out that the Kardashians then tweet about and tell everybody, oh my God, mermaids are real. I just saw it on Animal Planet. Like, and then people believe it. Yeah, that's funny as fuck. I don't care. <laughs> and then if you think that mermaids are real after that, that's that's on you, not on Animal Planet. This country, this country was founded on the freedom to be a fucking jackass. Yes, exactly. That's, it's very important. This country was founded on the freedom to think that your tumor could be removed by psychic surgery. The freedom to fuck up. It's the most important freedom of all. So, Psychop. <laughs> <laughs> Some of their investigations. Let's go over a few of their investigations. One of them, psychologists Barry Singer and Victor Bernassi, constructed an experiment where a magician was presented to two separate classes as a psychic, and then to two other classes as a magician. As a stage magician. Yeah. So telling two of them, I'm a psychic, the other two, I'm a magician. Yep. Now, two-thirds of all the classes uh, reported that they believed he was a psychic. All the classes? Two-thirds. Okay. So even a large number of those who had been shown the tricks and and told that like, yo, I'm a magician, I'm not a psychic. Nah, he's just lying. He's a psychic. They still believed he was psychic. <laughs> so it, it kind of showed that, you know what? People can still maintain a belief about that somebody's psychic, even though they know better. What Do you know what trick he showed him? I don't. Okay. I don't. Another investigation they did. Just pulled a silver dollar up from behind their ears. Yes. <laughs> A, a bunch of the core from Psychop, including Paul Kurtz, James Randi, Philip J. Class, they go over to China in 1988 and they test a variety of psychics, including a Qigong master and um, some of China's famous psychic children. All the tests produce negative results. Under double blind conditions, there's no correlation between the, this, this Qigong master. He's doing movements in one room. Yeah. And then there's a woman in a separate room who's like, supposed to be affected by the qigong energy but yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing really happens no real results from those experiments and then another one there's a claim that uh there was a, a claim that japanese macaws okay even on different islands they all suddenly at the same time learned how to wash potatoes <laughs> it was a critical what 
a critical mass of the population. And as soon as they all learned it, it, it became a group consciousness. You know, as soon as one one parrot learned how to wash a potato, all of them across nations knew how to wash a potato. Um, what the fuck are you telling me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, philosopher Ron Amundsen checked the scientific sources um, that that were cited in this claim. Okay, so first of all, it's not a parrot. No, it's a it's a macaque. It's a monkey. Oh, well, I'm f- I'm fucking stupid. I don't know what a, a it's a snow monkey. A, it's not even a macaque. It's a macaque. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's snow monkey. The fuck? How do you pronounce that? Snow monkey. No, um, macaque. Yeah, dude, they're the white monkeys. I just fucking killed a bunch of them in uh, Sekiro. They're uh, it's a terrestrial old world monkey species native to Japan. Snow monkeys, because some live in areas where snow covers the ground for months each year. No other non-human primate lives farther north, nor in a colder climate. They have brownish gray fur, pinkish red faces, and short tails. Two subspecies are known. They're not birds. Nope. They're monkeys. And I need to do better research. <laughs> so yeah, this idea that like they all at the same time learned how to wash potatoes. Yeah. It's it's cited in this article by Liel Watson. I'm going to get the pronunciation real quick. We are looking at how to pronounce what? the name of this type of monkey, what? What as well as how to say many more unclear animal names. What the fuck am I listening to? Look at these how monkey tits. How do you tits. About pronouncing this one? Macaque. Macaque. You do want to stress on the second syllable, on the cack syllable. <laughs> Macaque. Pretty straightforward once you know. Macaque. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> macaque. Oh, not only is it not a bird or a macaw, it's a macaque. Yep. It's a macaque and and they did not all learn how to wash potatoes at the same time. No? No. There was no spontaneously learned behavior. Did any of them learn how to wash potatoes? No. And later on, um, the author of that article admitted that they just made it all up. What's that have to do with Uri Geller? It, it was one of the psychop investigations to prove that, like, hey, they're making shit up. Oh, I get or like that the spontaneous learning of the thing, like a group consciousness Kind of like this idea spread without contact or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, like one of the investigators from Psycop read this article and was like, no fucking way. <laughs> so they looked at the sources and they realized none of the sources say what this person and yeah, 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 yeah. thing happened. Um, That's funny. Another thing in reference to Psycop. Something called Project Alpha. Now, Project Alpha was done by James Randi on his own. It was conducted completely independently of Psychop. But because James Randi was so involved in Psychop, this whole Project Alpha thing ended up like being wrapped up into their mythos. Yeah. Because it was presented at one of their conferences and also a bunch of fellows of Psychop like knew about Project Alpha before the whole thing was copped to. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people just perceive it as a Psychop project, but it is not officially, but it's definitely worth mentioning. Okay. The reason that it's worth mentioning is because it's just really fucking interesting. Okay. So James Randi says that this this is a serious sociological experiment that happened. It's not a publicity prank. This is this is actually for research. So in the 1970s, James Smith McDonnell, 
He's a board chairman of McDonnell Douglas. Yep. Which is um a weapons company. Yes. And uh, a, a airplane belie- yeah. Airplane manufacturer, I think. He's yeah. a believer in the paranormal. He approaches Washington University in St. Louis with plans to set up a permanent psi research facility. And they're like, okay, cool. Eventually, physicist Peter Phillips, who was also interested in the field and had degrees in physics from both Cambridge and Stanford, very impressive, agreed to lead a parapsychology lab at the school. And Peter Phillips, he's got like this special interest in spoon bending. He's all in on the spoon bending thing. Yeah. So in 1979, James Smith McDonald arranges for like this $500,000 grant for the establishment and five-year operation of the McDonald Laboratory for Psychical Research or Mac Lab. So James Randy contacts the Mac Lab, which has just been newly established And he gives them this list of 11 research pitfalls and suggestions on how to avoid them being like, yo, be careful, you might get scammed, you know, while you're doing psychic research. There's a lot of different tricks. I'm a magician. I know him. And he also he offers them um, his personal services to be like, I'll come and watch the experiments to make sure that nobody's faking shit. And uh, Peter Phillips does not take James Randi up on the offer because he's like, listen, you've kind of got a reputation for being more of a showman (laughs) rather than an actual unprejudiced critic. Like, I don't trust that you're not just doing a bit here. Yeah. You're not just messing with me. Yeah, yeah. And Phillips was kind of right to think that because even though Randy was denied access to MacLab, he found a way to get in. And that was through the use of two teenage plants. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Steve Shaw and So he Mike just Edwards. ruined their science? <laughs> Basically. Just like, oh, so you don't want to take my suggestions, huh? You know What an asshole. Well, I guess he also wants to make sure that they're not just like publishing fake stuff and not taking the right Well, but he ruined their science. He compromised Basically. their research. So of course it's not like Yeah, the whole thing was compromised. Yeah. So these two teenage boys contact Randy ahead of time to say like, hey, we're psychics. We got these psychic powers. And Randy's like, oh, you know what you should do? You should contact the Mac Lab and like, let's do this. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So these two boys cleverly, independently contact the McDonald Laboratory and they're chosen as test subjects. Sure. From the years of 1979 to 1982. And in Randy's mind, Project Alpha, he's not trying to entrap the experimenters he's not trying to fraud them or get them to act dishonestly like or sabotage them he doesn't see it that way he sees it instead as like he's trying to make sure that it's all conducted in in a good cause quote unquote as he sees it yeah to detect and reveal what he saw as incompetence and research right so he wanted to reveal like do they have blind spots in their psychical research where are they not paying attention? So you tell me when it's a good time to bring it up, but I'm looking at a uh, Hal Putoff's response to James Randi's uh, yes. book about them, and it's uh, it's hilarious. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. The whole reason why I'm doing this episode is because I came across an Amazon book that was like shitting all over Psychop and like, yeah, yeah. saying a bunch of awful shit about Paul Kurtz, and I was like... Is that true? I don't know if that's true. I didn't find any evidence of it being true, but it sent me down this like whole pathway of their psychical research and like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a whole back and forth between the two parties. Oh yeah. of skeptics and believers. So, Project Alpha, according to James Randi, he's just trying to uncover their incompetence. 
He's just trying to see if they're doing their research well enough, because if their controls were adequate, then Randy would have been the one made a fool of, you know, if you're really doing your job, then embarrass me. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to embarrass you. Embarrass me by playing within the rules that I come up with. Right. Yeah. So the project originally started with spoon bending because that was the thing that Phillips was into. Yeah, yeah. And and the two boys quickly developed a way to accomplish that. So the studio was set up to allow people in front of the cameras to see themselves on the monitors, and the videotapes were available to be watched just by anyone. So the young men would deliberately fail their first attempt and then go back and rewatch the video to find out what was visible to the cameras and what wasn't. And then after that, they would modify their technique so that whatever they did, if they dropped something or like whatever, if they concealed something in a quick fashion, they knew what would appear on the tape or not. Okay. Now, clever. Yeah, very clever. They were so successful at spoon bending that several other tests would then be invented for them to to try out. In one, they were given pictures and sealed envelopes and asked to uh, identify what was in the envelopes based on a list shown to them. Well, they were left alone in a room with the envelopes. And, you know, there was a possibility that they, they might peek inside. But this was supposed to be controlled by an examination of the envelopes later to see whether or not they were opened. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were closed with four staples. So these boys just, they just opened them up with their fingernails and put them back. Oh. That's it. Yeah. That that was their, that was how they proved that they knew what was in the envelopes. So these tests really were not airtight. No, 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 no. Which is a huge glaring omission to be like, whoa, we proved psychic abilities, but uh, you didn't even check if they opened the envelopes or not i mean that's definitely true like but i think that the there's lots of experiments in every field that aren't conducted rigorously that's why things Mm -hmm. need to be repeated according to the absolutely method so the boys continued to impress the scientists with their psychic skills with things like they would make digital clops digital clops (laughs) digital clocks uh stop working by putting them in a microwave for a few seconds why, nobody was looking. Why are they leaving them with a microwave? Exactly, though. That's ridiculous. Like, why do they have all this spare time to, to do these little tricks? Or they would make things suddenly appear on the, on the film just by staring at the camera or by um, cleverly spitting on the lens when nobody was looking <laughs> to, like, make a yeah, 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 yeah. on the camera. Yeah. So eventually rumors of the test subject's connections to James Randi reached Peter Phillips. Yeah. You know, the head of the Mac lab. So he decides we need tighter protocols. And all of a sudden, oh, these amazing results just stop happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yup. And then it's not too long after that in 1983 that James Randi decides to just like end Project Alpha and announce to everybody that it was a hoax. And he does this in a press conference and also to Discovery to Discover Magazine. At the press conference, Randy introduces the two young men at site the two young men as psychics and ask them, um, how did you achieve your amazing results? And Michael Edwards just answers, uh, to be quite, quite honest, we cheated. Yeah. See, I feel like all Randy proved is that he could fuck up an experiment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Basically. Yeah. Basically. Um, I bet there's a lot of legitimate science that's considered legitimate that if you had plants going in 
to fuck with it, they might find holes that no one else saw in like every experiment that's ever been done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the worst part of it is that one of the major psychiatrists involved with this project was a guy named Dr. Bertold Schwartz, and he was thoroughly convinced of one of the boy's uh, psychic powers, Steve Shaw's. And he asked Shaw, like, do you think that you could use your psychic powers to help me cure my terminally ill daughter? Who has, there's like no medical yeah, cure yeah, for yeah. what she's sick from. Do you think that you could use your powers to cure her? And according to Schwartz, um, Shaw told him like, yeah, there's definitely a paranormal cure available for your daughter's otherwise hopeless condition. That's, you know, Shaw denies on. ever doing this, but according to Dr. Schwartz, he's like, no, this really messed with me. Like, I I fully wholeheartedly believed this and I feel duped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a nasty way that sucks it does but i i don't think it's on these teenage boys that this man thought that psychic i mm, powers could cure his daughter's illness well you know i think that we're very quick to want to place fault and blame on people yeah and it's like is it is it really that or were they in a role where it's like what were they supposed to say to this guy no 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 i'm gonna place fault on that yeah 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 yeah. because it is pretty shit because no psychic no legitimate psychic would ever fucking say that. If you're that. a 17-year-old boy that's been implanted there by James Randi. You're an asshole. Yeah, but you're also No, like, that's a dick thing to do, man. It is. That's a dick thing to do. I can't. There's no equivocation there. Dick thing to do. The whole thing is a dick thing to do. Because yeah. you know what happened two years later? Six years after the Mac Lab was founded in 1985... No more funding coming in. Just totally embarrassed by the whole Project Alpha thing. Has yeah. to close its doors. Yeah. That's it for the Mac Lab. Yep. <laughs> like, no, no more no more psychic research for you. Yep. See, um, uh, Phillips. I, I I struck a blow for secular humanism and for rationality by fucking James up their Randy research. James Randi is a dick. Dude, all right, listen to this. So check this out. This is, so this uh, was acquired by theblackvault.com, uh, John Greenwald. Yeah. This is uh, a response from SRI, from Hal Putoff of SRI to James Randi's book, The Magic of Uri Geller, right? And it's a uh, point by point, it's, uh, let's see, 20 something, 24 points, not going to read them all, just going to pick a couple because they're all pretty goddamn funny. And it's a quote from Randy or a, something Randy says with the page number and then a refutation from Hal Putoff and like, okay, two, Randy, page seven. Few of the Geller experiments, especially the famous tests at SRI in which Geller performed apparent miracles of ESP, include in their reports the fact that one shippy Strang, once claimed by Geller as his cousin and his brother, was present. And then put off response, fact. During the SRI experimentation, neither shippy nor any other potential confederate was permitted in the target area, a precondition for experimentation adopted on the basis of advice by project consulting magicians. 3. Randy, page 9. But scientists are loath to consult magicians. Fact. At SRI, one of the two responsible investigators is an amateur magician with over 20 years experience, a Bay Area, magi- Bay Area magician who specializes, specializes in exposing fraudulent poltergeist cases, is a continuing consultant from the beginning of the project, and Milburn Christopher, a world-renowned magician and critic of psychic phenomena, was brought in to critique videotape and film. Oh yeah, this whole Geller thing work. will basically reveal the the war between the skeptics and and the yeah. psychic research well yeah i mean randy that's just, what this whole episode is really about randy's just lying in this book 
Yeah. Like he says. So we're going to get into some of the legal battles between Yuri Geller and Psychop because that's that's where the real meat of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not really what this episode is about, but we have to mention it because it's so interesting and so juicy. One of the funniest things is like half of these points of that put off refutes has to do with Randy just thinking that that dude Shippy was there. Yeah. And it's just like the refutation comes down to Shippy wasn't there. There was like one of our preconditions. Another one is him thinking that well, he was sitting in a Faraday cage. What's him? What's to stop Uri Geller from reaching his hand out of the Faraday cage and like signaling to Shippy or getting a signal from Shippy and put off like one? Um, the Faraday cage is a completely sealed room. Right. You're just thinking of a different. You're just thinking of what you think a Faraday cage is. Two. Shippy wasn't there. Yes. And then there's like Randy says like, isn't it curious that this Geller test, referring to one in which um, Geller couldn't perform was never reprinted or mentioned by any of his SRI disciples. Uh, fact, this test, with its negative results, uh, is also in the Nature paper. Yep. And he does it again, like, you you didn't put the negative results in the papers. And it's just like, yeah, they're actually there. Did you just not read the paper? It's like really like kind of obscenely lazy mm. on Randy's part. Well, it's reinforcing his own narrative and biases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, like just kind of like, like claiming, his whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, in 1995, Uri Geller and Psychop finally, finally reached a mutual agreement and decided on a comprehensive settlement in relation to the, the numerous lawsuits <laughs> that had been going on between them since the, the 70s. Yeah. So, the settlement ended up what was a, a four year battle in the Washington, D.C. courts that began with Geller filing a $15 million suit against Psychop and, and James the Amazing Randy, alleging defamation, invasion of privacy, and torturous interference with prospective advantage. Geller filed suit because Randy had stated on April 9th, 1991, in an interview with the International Herald Tribune, that Geller had tricked even reputable scientists with tricks that are the kind that used to be on the back of cereal boxes when I was a kid. Apparently, scientists don't eat cornflakes anymore. That's what Randy said. Dude, shut up. (laughs) So, Psychop maintained throughout this whole thing that this was just like a frivolous lawsuit brought on by Geller to harass the organization for their for their research. And the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. ruled in favor of Psychop and awarded $150,000 in sanctions against Geller. In addition, Geller had to drop his suits against uh, Prometheus Books, Kurt's Books Publishing Company, and his other suits against skeptics filed in London, England. He had them. He had a bunch of suits all over the world, some of them more funny than others. (laughs) (laughs) So in February 1992, a few years before all of this was finally settled, Geller had begun a suit in London against Prometheus Books, both the U.S. and U.K. branches, and against a Professor Victor Stanger. Now, this was over Victor Stanger's and other Prometheus Books authors falsely asserting that Geller had been arrested and convicted in Israel for misrepresenting himself as a psychic, something that never actually happened. Right. Uh, This tale, which... It confuses a civil suit that took place against Geller with the criminal action that he took. Like there was a civil suit against him, but he didn't he wasn't convicted as a criminal. This idea started in James Randi's first book about Uri Geller, 
And then from that, other later authors seemed to rely on Randy's version of events in his book and continued on this story of Geller being arrested and convicted in Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which didn't actually didn't happen. happen. So a bunch of suits are brought up against Stanger, against Prometheus Books. And he's Geller's just like blasting them in every possible direction, like sending out a suit against them from Florida, from Hawaii, like wherever this book was published, like to fuck you. That's that's fuck you for publishing lies about me. Harry Geller's been known to do that. Yeah. He's a he's a litigious man. Right. Now, even though he ultimately um had like they reached the settlement where Geller was the one that had to pay out and drop all of these suits. If you go on his website, you will find a sworn affidavit from Paul Kurtz on behalf of Prometheus Books stating that, I understand it's untrue that the plaintiff was ever arrested in Israel, and I unreservedly apologize to him on behalf of myself and the first defendants. Son of a bitch. So Geller publishes on his website like, look, it was fake. Yeah. He said so. (laughs) Geller stated... I welcome this global settlement of the remaining lawsuits which arose for the purposes of protecting my name and reputation in various countries where I am well known against what are now accepted as unjustified attacks. I have accepted Mr. Kurtz's apology and feel that justice has been done and my reputation vindicated. My immediate future plans include the forthcoming release of the film inspired by my life story, Mindbender, directed by Ken Russell and starring Terrence Stamp. I've also accepted invitations for television and live appearances, and I am currently preparing a TV special with Sir David Frost. (laughs) Geller got money to burn. I know. Like, Geller's like a Geller money. He's like, yeah. um, I accept your apology. I'm more famous than you'll ever be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here getting paid. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Hope I fucked with you in the meantime. And he did, though. That's like why they had to become other organizations. That's why Randy dropped out of Psychop. Because he was like, I'm so sorry. It seems like I just seem to be causing lawsuits for you all over the place. He's like, radioactive. Yeah, we're, an asshole. we're draining all of the foundation's money on these frivolous lawsuits. Um, yeah, it's, it's not good. So a few years earlier, in 1990... Geller sued Randy and Kodansha Publishing House in Japan because in a 1989 issue of Days Japan, Randy stated that a metallurgist named Dr. Wilbur Franklin, a big fan of spoon bending, committed suicide because he was so ashamed when Geller had been discredited by Randy. So Sounds Randy's, like a him problem. Yeah, right? He's like... <laughs> like, what the fuck? So, so Randy, in this Japanese magazine, says that this metallurgist suicide is because Geller is a fraud? No. No, no, no. That's because he was suicidal. Yeah, right. So he's like, oh, Geller's this uncaring sociopath who, like, through his fraud is causing people to become so disillusioned they commit suicide. It's like, that's a complete mischaracterization. And Bro, you are a stage a, magician. You're using <laughs> somebody's personal tragedy as a yeah. pawn in your... Crusade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your ideological agenda. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, that's my problem with Randy is it's just the way he conducts himself is unethical. He's also, on a crusade rather than this in, guy's in, death in, certificate, by the way, Dr. Wilbur Franklin. Yeah. He died of natural causes. He didn't even die of suicide. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. So Geller initiates this action against Randy because of these statements in Days Japan in the United States. But he has to move the suit over to Tokyo. 
And Randy writes to the Japanese court being like, listen, I can't afford to come there and hire a <laughs> in Tokyo. Like, I've already got so many legal cases going on over here. You don't understand how many suits Geller's filed against us. I can't fucking come to Japan. So the court in Japan rules that um, Randy's remarks were indeed an insult to Geller and say, you got to pay him about $2,000, like <laughs> 500,000 yen. If you just stop making shit up, James. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah, so at some point, despite Randy having made statements about expressing a strong desire to get into court, get against Geller, they both decide to just cut their losses. Randy signs an agreement that he, he's just going to allow the matters to end and not counter sue. And on the other side, Geller's going to agree not to pursue collection of the Japanese judgment against Randy. I don't the need two that. Grand. I don't need that $2,000. I'm a millionaire. I don't fucking care. Wow. <laughs> so it's all dropped. But like all of these legal battles that go on between Psycop and Geller are yeah. fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. And, and definitely worth bringing up. So... I guess let's get into the Center for Inquiry now. Yeah, so this is what makes them change their name from... Kind of. Or at least it happens around the same time. It ends up... The Center for Inquiry is kind of a a synthesis of two former... Okay. ...centers formed by Paul Kurtz. Gotcha. So, at first, you know, 1976, that's when Psychop is developed. They've got a bunch of cool members, notable members, Carl Sagan, Asimov, B.F. Skinner, Gardner, Hyman, Randy, and they all form Psychop. And then four years later in 1980, Paul Kurtz founds the the Council for Democratic and Secular Humanism, Kodesh. And this is the the first organization that outwardly advocates for secular humanism. And it's it's basically an answer to the rising Christian right that's happening at the time. Because remember, this is also the the pop off of the the satanic panic. All yeah. of these like yeah, yeah, yeah. rock music documentaries and like all of this propaganda about like I don't know stuff. Yeah, and this is the answer to like, hey, let's stop being so distracted with this divisive Christian Satanism religious bullshit and focus on what it actually means to be a human and progress in society. So in 1980, Kodesh comes about, and now Kodesh, it it still exists, but as a program of the Center for Inquiry, of the Center for Inquiry. I don't know why inquiry is so hard for me to say. Inquiry. Inquiry. It's it's not easy. Inquiry. 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 So the Center for Inquiry, or CFI, it comes to being in 1991. It's a not-for-profit educational corporation. And it brings together the two pre-existing organizations under one big fancy umbrella, the CFI umbrella. And uh, on their website about their organization, they write, To make a better world, we need to use our heads and our hearts. To confront the challenges that face us as a planetary civilization, we need to use the tools of science and reason guided by compassion and respect for the dignity of every individual. To move forward, we need to discard old superstitions, prejudices, and magical thinking and embrace facts, evidence, and critical thinking. It's about more than whether or not God exists. It's about more than whether ghosts row among us, aliens hover above us, or psychics can see within us. The Center for Inquiry strives to foster a society free of the dogmatic influence of religion and pseudoscience, a society inspired by the ideals of the Enlightenment, the wonders of science, and the limitless potential of human intelligence and creativity, a society in which beliefs are not granted the same rights as people where the freedom of expression is enjoyed by all, and all ideas are open to the scrutiny of reason. Well, yeah, that sentence, that last sentence right there is your, that's your problem there. 
that is open to the scrutiny of reason. I just, I mean, <laughs> not all things are reasonable. I'm going to, <laughs> you know, there's, you got to prove that that's, that that's all there is. Right. So I understand what they're going for. They strive to foster a society free of religion and pseudoscience. Like, good fucking luck. It's here. Yeah. It's here and it's probably here to stay in a variety of different forms forever that that will keep morphing and changing faster than we can catch up to them. Ah, Some might say it's a fucking intrinsic element of being a human. Yes. (laughs) So instead of trying to to foster a separateness from that how about we examine that you know yeah like instead of trying to i'm not necessarily interested in trying to prove or disprove psychic powers i don't think you well i don't think you really can i'm more interested you might be able the to dynamics actually. of of how belief impacts how things happen listen there's been a lot of psychic research over the years oh yeah it really has and you know i can say like you know it, it because it's inherently subjective like you can't prove it but like i haven't looked at all the research like i one of the big you know problems parapsychologists have is that they have published and that it, it you know it is a problem of uh just not getting taken seriously mm-hmm. you know I I get the enemy they're trying to fight i would say the rise of the religious right the, the that type of uncritical thinking and shit but I think they'd find that, like, there's a lot of reasonable people interested in this stuff who are willing to talk as long as you're not a fucking dickhead about it. Yeah. You know? And I think that religion, spirituality, pseudoscience, like, coming up with, the, I don't know, wild explanations for things that people just don't understand because they don't have the knowledge, the background, the, the experience, whatever, that's a part of the human condition. Sure. And that's something that can't really be ignored and i think that is worthwhile well and there's also like you know you record you start recording your dreams every day you'll realize you dream the future Mm -hmm. it just happens yeah it just fucking happens and when you have that experience you realize like oh no i dreamed this and then someone says no you didn't all right fuck you we have nothing to talk about (laughs) it's like i did and that dude says he didn't like i have this experience and hell if, if you record your dreams you have fucking evidence but the capital s skeptics the james randys of the world say no you didn't yeah, there, there will never be enough you. proof for them. Right. And it's just like, okay, so there's just nothing to talk about then. Yeah. And I think the idea of striving for a society free of religion and mysticism. is misguided. And, yeah, I don't really like that. Yeah, I don't want that society. No. No. I do want, I don't know. I don't even want a society free of delusion. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that it plays an important role. <laughs> I want a society free of dogmatism. Yeah. You know? Right hard-coded ideologies yeah like you should be able to change your mind as 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 things warrant changing your mind you know you weren't like and i think that fostering like doubt and skepticism is important i think that those those are things that absolutely should have absolutely even as a spiritual or mystical religious person but i i don't think that you should fall into black or white i think that you should exist in a gray area yeah and, but that doesn't mean like, you know, when you've got enough data where it says like, okay, people dream the future sometimes, but that's, there's enough fucking data that you can collect that suggests people dream the future sometimes. Mm-hmm. This, the real skeptical mind goes, okay, what is that? Not that doesn't happen. They're liars. They're con men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the real skeptical mind goes, how can we measure precognition? Yeah. Can we measure precognition? Is there enough data to say, okay, this exists, but we can't measure it? Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, not just like, oh, anyone that claims that is liar, a liar or delusional? Because that's just, that's just dick shit. Yeah. So in 2010, 
That's when Paul Kurtz officially resigned from the Center for Inquiry's board of directors because he disapproved of some of their recent projects, including one called International Blasphemy Rights Day. He said that it was an example of what he called angry atheism, <laughs> not approve of or like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, respect. He was an old school, old school guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Blasphemy Day, it's celebrated on September 30th to coincide with the anniversary of the 2005 publication of um, satirical drawings of Muhammad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah when yeah, like yeah. They, that was published in uh, Denmark's newspapers. And then there were a bunch of violent protests all around where yep. Danish embassies all around the world were firebombed. At least 100 people were killed. See, like, that's not good. Um. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty blasphemous to make a holiday out of that. But oh, no, no. I'd say like fucking, I don't know fuck him for that because like it's just a drawing yeah like, that's ridiculous you can't do that you can't you can't you can't bomb shit for someone drawing something that's stupid that dog must gotta go no i get it but also my stance on that is um free speech exists but consequences for your speech also exist I, yeah but not violence over that that's fucking ridiculous yeah but like that's just fucking silly and it like is. i think there's a lot of beauty in islam but that's just fucking silly it, i think do you remember like there was a whole south park episode about yeah, this too, yeah, yeah. like went on at the time. Well, I mean, like, the, the fucking the depiction uh, of Muhammad, fucking Charlie Hebdo, the the um, yep, like they got killed for that. Yep, like that's bullshit. <laughs> that's not okay. It's a fucking no. cartoon. Chill the fuck out. That type of theocracy, like that religious dogmatism, is no good. That's got to go. No, that's that's not that's not good. So yeah, um, the Center for Inquiry decides to like make a holiday. Do you know how bad I want to do a series on Muhammad? Peace be upon him. But I'm not going to. No, you can't. <laughs> but you know what? That's like the number one subject I would like to yeah. cover. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> Maybe someday. So yeah, after um International Blasphemy Rights Day, um Paul Kurtz decides to to step out because I guess he he has complex feelings about it. I mean, it's a dick move. <laughs> also, yeah. you know what I mean. He goes on to found another group called the Institute for Science and Human Values, and he also coins the term euprosoxphy, which means it, it describes an ethical, joyful lifestyle based on logic and reason rather than transcendental beliefs. Anyway. And I'm like, okay, good for you. Yeah. I don't know. Like, again, this is not my zone. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, euprosoxphy, it's a life stance that doesn't believe in the supernatural or transcendent at all cool and i don't know i'm sorry yeah. i do see I, I do when i was a teenager i was a hardcore fucking capitalist skeptic yeah you know like to i was me, one of those actually, assholes it doesn't even have to do with belief yeah it doesn't have to do with whether or not i believe in the supernatural i just like it i just i just like the weirdness i think there's also a difference between the mystic and the supernatural too mm -hmm. that's a big fucking the transcendental yeah like that's a big separation that these guys are not accounting for like there's an interplay there doesn't have to be like hardcore materialism and rationalism versus religiosity they're all, they're all and transcendentalism. Tools. Yeah. They're different tools. They can all be synthesized. Yeah. It's just more ideologies competing for dominance. Right. So the Center for Inquiry, they're like basically what exists in the world now. Yeah. Under Paul Kurtz's daddy of secular humanism umbrella. Like they, this, this is the project that is offered to the world. It has UN affiliations. They have their. This is the great grandchild of, of what Kurtz uh, started. Yes. Yeah. So when you go to their website, they have a bunch of different programs that they run, such as Quack Watch. 
It's a network of websites and mailing lists that focus on like health frauds and myths, fads and fallacies, misconduct. They have generation skeptics. They have like a summer camp where they teach kids how to be skeptics and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It's very science based and like I it's it's very Richard Dawkins. It's very atheist. It's yeah. very Yeah. Very dogmatically is, skeptic. Capital right. S skeptic. I'm not mad about it. I'm glad that it exists. I think that it needs to exist, but I also think that it's interesting for us to talk about it and specifically to talk about their investigations group, which it originally was called the Independent Investigations Group, but then turned into the Center for Inquiry Investigations Group. Founded in 2000, they operate out of LA. And they say that um, their whole thing, it, it's... It's based off of investigation versus debunking. Yeah. Is what they say. And I like that because I think that 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 is what it should be. That that should be that, the foot that you put forward is we're investigating, not yeah. trying to debunk. Question is is that what they're doing? Is that really what you're doing though? Right. Because I know for example like one of their lead investigators in a lot of their studies, I've always really liked the podcast Ono oh Ross and Carey. I've never heard it. It's really good. Word. But the background of both of the hosts is that like they come from evangelical or like Christian backgrounds and now they're hardcore skeptics. Carrie Poppy, um, if I'm recalling correctly and I might be wrong, so don't take me at my word. She had a TED talk where she thought that her house was haunted. She found out that it was actually just a carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, yeah, had yeah. Her totally questioning her entire worldview and thinking like, gee, maybe there are other explanations for why people see the weird shit they do. Yeah, there so they certainly have, are. They had this whole podcast where they like join cults or religious movements and they do investigations into new age fringe movements to see, is there anything here? Do we feel anything? Does anything happen? And they're pretty honest in their investigations if if there is something that happens to them and i like what they do but what i learned in through looking at the investigations group for the center for inquiry is that carrie poppy is one of their like lead examiners for a lot of their experiments and she is she's like a hardcore skeptic at this point in her life so i feel like a lot of these investigations are led through that investigatory lens but I, i don't know I feel like there is a, even if they won't cop to it, <laughs> I think that there, there's an aspect to it where it, it's meant to make a fool out of the people that they're looking into. Well, 100%, because they're caught in a feedback loop where the only people that will sign up to try to do and take this. that test are people that think they can try and con them. Right, that people that want the half a million dollars. Right, exactly. Because true psychics don't give a fuck about proving this to people. No. No, and they true also psychics aren't. I mean, what what is a true psychic anyway? I don't know. Look, I can fucking I can I can destroy people's brains with tarot cards. Right. Right. I, it's and not I think, reliable. I it's think not... there is something to an intuitive sense that certain individuals have where they can just read and sense energy fields and they have a sense for people where they can know more about you than you would necessarily want them to. Yes. Where they can just like read you. I've I've had flashes of insight where I knew very specific things were going to happen. And then they did. I can't test that. No, it's not. It's not like a recreatable yeah, thing that, that yeah. you can take with you into a laboratory setting and no. then, then recreate. And uh, none of the people I've seen do things that knock your goddamn socks off would ever say that it's repeatable or at all reliable no. in, in that type of way. So therefore, a lot of these investigations done by a group like this, it's uh, yeah, 
the thing is that it's it's because it operates on the non-rational side of the world. Like, and that's why I keep saying, like, the idea that this base level assumption that the world is rational, where, you know, we know now without trying to misappropriate quantum physics, because that's also done a lot is, is you know, mis misinterpreting and shit. But there's, there's an element of quantum weirdness that's not fucking rational. Yeah. There's an element of reality that's just not rational. Mm-hmm. And dreams might be like that. Psychic, psi power might be like that. Time isn't real in the same way we think it is. Linear time, as we experience it, is an illusion, you know? That doesn't mean time isn't real. That's a, this is, this is a comedy podcast. Fuck you. Uh, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. And to me, the base level assumption that rationality is all there is is sort of outdated and just kind of needs, mm -hmm. needs to go. And it's like, do you think that our first ever evidence of supernatural abilities actually being real is going to be proven in the like half a million dollar challenge run by CFI? No. Like, no, that's no. not how we're. It's already bit to me. To me. I'm not looking for disclosure. I'm not waiting for disclosure. I'm not waiting for proof. To me, all of this shit is already real. I don't need scientific, I don't need a paper to publish it. Well, meanwhile, you've got <laughs> goddamn internal papers at the fucking Science Applications International Corporation, fucking SAIC. You've got internal papers from like 1995 showing they're like, well, you damn, because <laughs> all the goddamn psychic weaponized, weaponized psychic research went private. Yeah. And the night it's just being, it's being done in closed doors. Right. They're not going to tell us shit. So take yourself over to um, CFIIG.org. We're going to look at the stats on the, and the video on the homepage. Can you prove the paranormal? Apply now. Did you notice? So 142 have applied. Six, Six have, have been tested. tested. Six have failed. 66 still open. So which means that it just like reads 6666 across the page. That's kind of funny. But why have only a, a six been tested out of 142? Which. Why haven't all of them been tested? Also not like. Oh, well, that's in uh, 2022, I guess. What's that starts um, in 2022? The reason why more people have applied than have been tested is because they get a lot of crazy emails from people that then like never follow up or never respond. Okay. But yeah, yeah let's check out this uh, this little video. Okay. The IIG is a oh, group God. of individuals who are skeptics and like to get hands-on experience looking into paranormal and extraordinary claims. It's not just for trained scientists, it's for anyone who wants to be on the ground and looking into these wild ideas. I saw this investigations group and I immediately lit up because I'd always been the one uh, when I was a kid, you know, when I'd get the uh, scholastic newsletters where you could order the books, I would get all the ones about vampires and ghosts and cryptozoology. So. Uh, did I leave out aliens? Whatever weird little area of skepticism you're interested in, you can pretty much always find someone else within the group who's interested in that as well. Yeah, it just seemed like the perfect outlet for my uh, interests and my abilities. If you really want to do something but you don't have an outlet and you don't even kind of know what direction you want to go, that's a good person for the IIG because it's a, it's a good place to kind of hone that focus. If you're that kind of person who, uh, when a family member sends you an interesting forward, you go straight to scopes.com or snopes.com and, and look it up and try to verify it and forward that out. If you're that kind of personality, it's worth it for you to get involved in this. I started off on the other end of the spectrum. I fully believed in ghosts. You know, I'm the kind of person who, uh, who used to have a chakra chart in her bedroom. That's Carrie know? Poppy. Why people will believe this so readily became more interesting. 
than whether there is a ghost or not. I, I think it was kind of a natural progression for me to just keep asking questions about it and um, to keep exploring those issues. They're the same issues, you're just looking at it from a different angle. The moment you get involved with a group like that, instantly you feel better about your own personality and your own attitudes on things. You feel like there's more people out there like you. You're not alone. That's an interesting thing to say, but We are out there. We want to meet you, too. I think that many skeptics feel alone, and, um, and it's great to have the network of friends. It empowers us. I really encourage anybody who is anywhere who is, would like to get out of their armchair and start doing something instead of just complaining about the woo, complaining about that kind of stuff. I want to do something, and the IAG allows me to do something. They are doing things. They're not just <laughs> saying things and waiting for things to come to them. The future of IAG apparently seems pretty bright. We're expanding into several other cities. Um, my vision was always to create a uh, a, a pandemic of skepticism uh, across the country, across okay. multiple countries, so that people... Sounds kind of culty to me. So let's go over to the About page on this. Um, I think it's interesting that... A lot of uh, emphasis on uh, a group reinforcing beliefs. It, it also seems like, you know, oh, I grew up reading the scholastic books about um, vampires. Oh, I had a, a chakra a chart. These are people who are interested in the paranormal. But we're never in the deep end of yeah, the Yeah, they're interested in psi phenomena. But what I get is that they're too scared to fully believe in it. Yeah. So that they would rather explore the other side of it, which is like trying the purely rationalist scientific view. It's yeah. like can we prove with the tools available to us whether or not this is true and ending it there versus maybe when they were younger fully leaning into it and then maybe it got too scary at some point or I don't know what. None of them mentioned uh, reading John Keel. You know what I mean? None of them mentioned, oh, I was really interested in the SRI research and like, you know what I mean? Like scholastic books about vampires. Right. A chakra chart. Okay. That's silly. Yeah. That's all like... That's not the, that's not the shit. They're trying to prove, they're trying to debunk something that doesn't exist. They're debunking this. The whole thing's well, a straw man. I think they're trying to debunk something that they're embarrassed of about themselves. Which Probably, is like, yeah. How could I have ever believed in something so silly? Yeah, but you believed in a silly straw man, not the real, yeah. the real deal, you know? So when you go to their about page, they say, um, we are skeptics. A skeptic in this context is someone who uses science and evidence to address extraordinary claims. A skeptic is not a denier, in that a skeptic must change his mind if the evidence is contrary to his or her belief. A denier remains entrenched in a position despite the weight of evidence. I'm like, okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So they view themselves as like mystery solvers, as sure. you know, trying to get to the bottom of can can we prove with science whether or not these things actually exist? And they say they also mention about the stats on the homepage, like why are there so many more applicants than people that have actually yeah. tested? Well, they've got a bunch of rules for their protocols, and a lot of people don't want to follow the rules. For example, a lot of people want to send in videos to, to prove their powers. They don't accept that uh, because videos can be easily faked. So um, they don't accept videos. They only accept their certain testing conditions. And uh, people that don't want to abide by their rules or, or policies, 
generally tap out after they apply because they they decide, oops, my grift isn't going to work. I'm not going to get the half a million dollars based on your rules. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find... Um... They also won't let you apply if your claims are not testable. Like, um, contacting ghosts. Right. <laughs> like, like uh, if you can make the ghost appear in the room or have them, like, answer questions and we can hear them, then sure. But otherwise, your personal belief in the existence of ghosts is, is not enough. Like, you saying that you can hear them talking to you is not going to fly. If your claim is telepathy, it says, uh, if your telepathic claim involves hearing voices that those around you don't hear, reading other people's thoughts, or believing others can hear your thoughts, please consider the following. What you are experiencing is consistent with recognized illnesses of the mind that are known to cause symptoms like what you are experiencing. Conditions like schizophrenia and other disorders are not paranormal ability. They are chemical imbalances in the brain. God. And there may be treatment available to help you. And they say, like, we don't diagnose applicants. We strongly advise you to eliminate the medical explanation of your powers before you come to the test. If you, insisted, if you insist on being tested despite the real possibility that there is a reasonable medical explanation, we will still test you. However, you must find your own partner whose thoughts you can hear or who can hear your thoughts. Well, okay, well, that's not... What if, that, what if the claim is... What if the claim is like, yeah, so like I hallucinate voices, but like sometimes those voices tell me things that I couldn't otherwise know. No, it's true. Like, That's the thing. I don't think that somebody having a diagnosis of like psychotic features or, or schizophrenia should disqualify them from being able to test for psychic abilities. Right. It might make psychic abilities more pronounced, actually. It might. It might In be the fact, whole thing, actually. Although one of the people that they investigated in their paranormal challenge was a gentleman named Philip Lee. If you go to the investigation like page. I will, but also I just want to point out, they say if your ability is intermittent or you cannot reliably predict when it will be present, you probably won't be able to be tested. That's most psi powers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Philip Lee, he said that he could hear people speaking from great distances. Like he would talk to people and then after he walked away, he would be able to hear them talking about him, even though is... he'd like left the room or the vicinity. <sighs> well, what he didn't reveal to the investigators is that he had a diagnosis of, of schizophrenia. Ah. Yeah. During the pretest interview, Philip Lee stated that he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and drugs to treat the condition had been prescribed, but he was no longer using the prescriptions that had not come up during our earlier correspondences until he like showed up for his testing. It is not within IIG's purview to diagnose or ask if a diagnosis of mental illness was ever made of our claimants. It is neither within our area of expertise or clearly relevant to anyone's likelihood of having paranormal abilities. And yet we decided to in include it. Well, it is relevant information. I do think that it is. Because what happens is they test him to see, like, can he hear us saying words from the other room? Yeah. And I have a YouTube video, actually. Okay. Speaker A has transmitted the phrase, spoken phrase at 1545, 18. So he's sitting on a table with another dude, and he just got a message saying that the... Speaker B has spoken phrase at 1545, 28. So he got another camera on people in another room saying words. Still not hearing him? Yeah. Okay. Blank on three. I think it's, it's been debunked. <laughs> oh, you think so? Okay. 
Um, okay, so are, you're saying you don't want to continue any further? I think you're not getting any of these. Yeah. I, I just want I you to be. Claim, well, we can't do that now. But I, I, I want you to stay, state, in no uncertain terms that that you don't think you can do it, and we're going to stop the test because it's yeah. just not going well. Yeah, it's. Say, I thought say I say it in a sentence. Oh yeah, it's not going well. I don't think uh, it's working out. Okay. <laughs> poor okay. guy. Yeah, nice. seriously. Good try, folks. It took some courage yeah. to do this. So. Yeah, I didn't expect this. this good, good try. At least yeah, they were really man. nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy. No. So they acknowledge um, in their article talking on the CFIIG website about the Philip Lee investigation, they say, you know, it's not their purview to diagnose or even ask people if they've been diagnosed. It's not really relevant to their having paranormal abilities. But they do note that, like, people who claim to have supernatural powers, who are suffering from mental illness, like, why is that? One of the people from... So John Suarez from the Investigations Group says that people who make these types of claims, they're, they probably fall into one of two types. One type is like a sociopath that feeds off of others by fooling them into thinking that they have supernatural powers and like legitimately think that they might or they get off on like making other people believe that they do. Okay. The other type is people who are just merely mistaking cause and effect relationships. Okay, bud. And that Philip Lee is probably somebody who's mistaking cause and effect relationships so they're either evil or stupid yeah i don't think that it has to be those two yeah, options. fucking no like no <laughs> not at all i think that it could be more than that but they bring up um the cause and effect relationships in relation to sparky the wonder dog which is one of the first investigations that they ever did in july 1st of, of 2000 and this was a dog their first non-human applicant whose owner claimed that Sparky could bark a number between one and six just by reading their owner's mind. Now, what they found was that their owner was sending unconscious, nonverbal body language cues to the dog. And when they tried to replicate this experiment without the owner, they couldn't do it. Um, so this idea that it is dependent upon... Yo, that's still a wonder dog. I don't give a shit. That is still a wonder dog. Um... Once the owner was out of sight, Sparky's uh, psychic powers completely went away and his accuracy fell to 3%. I also found that this dog was apparently named after a 1996 romantic comedy uh, called Michael, starring John Travolta as the Archangel Michael. Starring John Travolta as the Archangel Michael. Okay. Who And there's a dog named Sparky the Wonder Dog in it. It's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Sparky the Wonder Dog fails his test, and that, that ends up being chalked to one of those cause and effect cases. Um, now, one of the, the more sociopathic cases are somebody who's just, like, trying to, I don't know, make some money was an applicant called Regan Trainer. Now, this case that they studied was was pretty funny to me so regan trainer um contacted the center for inquiry claiming that he was a telepath okay 
He said that he could telepathically transmit the value of a playing card to a receiver, another person in a different room. So in other words, if you held up a card and it was like the ace of hearts without using any other communication powered other than his mind, he could send that he just saw the ace of hearts to his friend in another room who could then write down on a piece of paper like ace of hearts. So they decide to test this out. So Mr. Trainer travels to Los Angeles with a receiver of his, his choosing, him and his friend, and they're going to go through this challenge. And the challenge is that they just have to get seven out of 52 cards correct. Okay. Well, okay. So the test was originally scheduled for Sunday, January 17th, 2010. But Mr. Trainer didn't show up because he was in jail at the time. Oh. So they rescheduled the test for, for the next month. And he arrives, him and his friend Fernando. They arrive the next month at the Center for Inquiry. They've traveled 14 hours. They're searched for weapons and electronic devices. They have no weapons. They sign forms. And it's very apparent to the researchers that these two men are stinking drunk. <laughs> They're swaying side to side. Oh, no. And they smell like vodka. At one point during the test, Trainer refers to himself as not only being drunk, but being a drunk. <laughs> and he asks for more alcohol. Oh, no. But none is provided. Oh. They also find out that the, the two men are homeless and that they've oh. taken a bus trip to Los Angeles. That was 14 hours. And after this, they're going to go to Texas to participate in another psychic challenge offering $12,000. <laughs> These guys are just like hitting up psychic challenges, hoping that like, eh, <laughs> fuck it, we might get one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they ran the numbers. The issue is brought up amongst the CFI. Like, can we do this? Like, does it count if they sign their contracts while being inebriated? And they decide that, well, there's nothing in the protocol regarding inebriation. In fact, you're in the all, past, you're there's- all scumbags. You're all fucking scumbags. You're all scumbags. They traveled 14 hours. Let's, for better or worse, let's just let them go ahead with the test. Does it prove the narrative? Send them through. Yeah. They don't. Oh, they don't. They don't get a single card correct. But- they comment that this was a good day and that they had fun. Hell yeah. They're off to somewhere else. Hell right yeah. After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Reagan, Reagan Trainer and his friend Fernando. They had a good day. They had a good day. I'll just say they won in the end. And they definitely like, they messed with these researchers' minds because there's, there's four different accounts from different um, people involved in the research group talking about like their recollections yeah, yeah. of this particular event. And they're all pretty interesting to read. But I, for me personally, I'm kind of glad that they went ahead and tested them anyway. Can you imagine if they had gotten it right? Fucking sick. It'd be so <laughs> sick. It'd be so incredible. Um, but in in one of the, the recollections written by Skeptic talking about this testing of Reagan Trainer, she writes that exploiting delusional people and uneducated people in order to show what is already established does little good. However, a public test of a public persona who claims to have a paranormal ability and accepts money for their abilities should be our focus. If we're going to reproduce our findings on human subjects, we should go after subjects that are high profile and are trying to cause intentional harm. 
I realize that these people are less likely to accept a challenge like ours because they are aware of their own con work and because the prize money is irrelevant to them. They have no reason to take our test. They know they will lose. But we should still actively and publicly pursue these people while simultaneously trying to cause as little harm as possible when testing the uninformed or the true believers, for it is the latter that we hope to help. Which is just an interesting perspective because she's reflecting on, like gee, I, this was a very weird test that we did. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it felt sad to me, she writes. Um, she oh. felt sorry for these men that either they were just trying to get lucky and hoped that they would get enough, guess enough cards to like get enough money to get them off the streets, or they were actually delusional enough to believe that, that this would work and that they could send psychic messages. In either case, kind of sad. And she kind of felt bad for... Uh, it's, it's a little from column A, a little from column B, but they were having fun with it. It's true. And that's the thing where I'm like, I'm not mad that they're doing these tests. I'm kind of glad that they are because I don't know. The, uh, it's fun. It's it is. fun that somebody's doing the quote unquote the work. Well, see, that's the thing. They're not doing the work. <laughs> they're doing a work. They're wrapped up in their own reality tunnel. And the rules and regulations that they have reflect their own biases. Yeah. And it's biases that they wouldn't consider to be biases because they consider it an established way of how the world works. That everything can be tested by science. If it's not testable by science, it's not real. Mm-hmm. I disagree. And here's the thing. That's an impasse. I have just as much of a right to disagree with that. Right. You're not going to tell me that these bunch of mooks like, what can could- solve one of these fucking philosophical problems. What scientific groundwork was laid by testing the psychic abilities of these two drunk homeless men Zero. that just wanted money? Nothing at all. No. Content. Like was, all you I, it, got was content. It was content. content and it was entertaining to see if it worked or not. But like, really? And these fuckers got employees. They take donations. They have funds. I mean, as soon as he missed his appointment because he was in jail, they should have been like, eh, maybe we don't test these people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's also like... It's, it's low-hanging fruit. And whether that's because, you know, as they say, the high-profile ones, what you know, they know that they won't be able to do it under the conditions, or whether, you know, most of the shit can't be repeatable, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the same time, at the same fucking time, you know, I've got here um, a paper from Professor Jessica Utz from the Division of Statistics at the uh, University of California, Davis, from 1995. It's a review of... The abstract states, it's a research on psychic functioning conducted over a two-decade period is examined to determine whether or not the phenomenon has been scientifically established. A secondary question is whether or not it is useful for government purposes. The primary work examined in this report was government-sponsored research conducted at Stanford Research Institute, later known as SRI International, and at Science Applications International Corporation, known as SAIC. Using the standards applied to any other area of science, it is concluded that psychic functioning has been well-established. The statistical results of the studies examined are far beyond what is expected by chance. Arguments that these results could be due to methodological flaws in the experiments are soundly refuted. Effects of similar magnitude to those found in government-sponsored research at SRI and SAIC have been replicated at a number of laboratories around the world. Such consistency cannot be readily explained by claims of flaws or fraud. 
The magnitude of psychic functioning exhibited appears to be in the range between what social scientists call a small and medium effect. Mm -hmm. That means that it is reliable enough to be replicated in properly conducted experiments with sufficient trials to achieve the long-run statistical results needed for replicability. Right. Um, Like... No, exactly, though. The whole, like, Sparky the Wonder Dog and, like, Philip Lee and uh, Regan Trainer. these tests feel so irrelevant to what they're actually trying to accomplish. It just feels right. like fluff. It just feels like they're keeping themselves amused and, like, having fun and twiddling their thumbs. Exactly. But th- it's not actually, like, real research into anything. I'd like to continue with the rest of this abstract. Yeah, please so. do. She continues, uh, Utz continues, a number of other patterns have been found, suggestive of how to conduct more productive experiments on applied psychic functioning. For instance, it doesn't appear that a sender is needed. Precognition, in which the answer is known to no one until a future time, appears to work quite well. Recent experiments suggest that if there is a psychic sense, then it works much like our other five senses, by detecting change. Given that physicists are currently grappling with understanding with an understanding of time, it may be that a psychic sense exists that scans the future for major change, much as our eyes scan the environment for visual change or our ears allow us to respond to sudden changes in sound. It is recommended that future experiments focus on understanding how this phenomenon works and how to make it as useful as possible. There is little benefit to continuing experiments designed to offer proof, since there is little more to be offered to anyone who does not accept the current collection of data. Right. It's in 1995, and like I'm not saying anything about that paper. It's a long paper fucking read it yeah. but like they don't so reference what, this paper on their fucking website no you know what i mean what the, what the cfi center for investigations like what what they're doing is not trying to prove or disprove that psychic phenomena exists that is not at the heart of what right. they're actually exactly. trying to doing what they're trying to do what they're actually trying to do is to get rid of pseudoscience because they think that it's a bad thing. They think that the belief in psychic phenomena, the belief in pseudoscience, the belief in quackery is is a disservice to the world. So therefore, let's put out content that debunks it and makes right it. right that changes beliefs more in line right. with our dogma it's, it's not actually about wanting to prove or investigate whether psi phenomena really exists. a pandemic of skepticism yeah yeah they're trying to propagandize and change beliefs through creating content right you've become the very thing you sought to destroy mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that there's a place for it if it wasn't wrapped up in like the no, but we're really skeptics thing. Right. I mean, um, the thing is, the place for it is the people who are actually publishing papers on it. No, like, go after it. Like, I like when they they went after one company called the Altera Company that, that sells a product called a neutralizer, which is a sticker that you can put on your phone to nah. keep it from receiving, like, cancer-causing radio waves or yeah, whatever. Yeah, fuck those people. And they're like, yeah. you know, this is stupid. Don't buy this product. Why are, Why is there a Los Angeles radio station promoting this product as, as part of like their... Yeah, there was a fundraiser where this radio station claimed that uh, there was a special mineral used in this device and that you would experience a trance and that it could help you emit, like yeah, avoid yeah, yeah. certain radio waves. So the IIG is like, hey, radio station, maybe you should stop promoting this product that is complete nonsense. And I'm I'm not too mad about that. No, they should be doing that shit. Yeah, that you shit know? I'm fine with. But like the the testing of of a homeless person that's just like on a delusional quest to travel around the country to, to get yeah. money for potential psychic powers, yeah, yeah. like you're not doing anything good there. No, and especially since like when you look at the actual research that's been done, it's like it's not about one person being able to do it every time. That's right. never been the research. It's about 
If you're trying to get rid of quacks, of then fine. Right, yeah, but it's about like groups of people exhibiting a pattern that is that is not explained by chance alone. Right? That's the fucking that's the meat. It's not explained by chance. It doesn't mean that it's reliable and happens every fucking time. I don't know. It's just it's just that's the thing. If they were just going after like the quacks and the people selling the fucking the predatory bullshit, of the which people really making money off. Yeah, of Yeah, and stuff. There, there's a lot of people that are predatory. But when you wrap it up in this like contest to prove reliable, like you're misunderstanding the phenomenon itself. Yeah, because the people that are applying for that contest are not the people that actually need to be. I don't know. Right. Debunked. Exactly. <laughs> and so you're just fucking. Yeah, you're just. Jerking off in the corner, going, right. oh, aren't we so smart? This dog isn't actually psychic. Like, oh, d- really? I couldn't have guessed that. <laughs> Bra- fucking bravo, dude. Right. Like, wow, you, you hit a blow for fucking science there. That's fantastic. Yeah. This woman can't actually get high by looking at an image of marijuana, which is, they did test a woman. I bet she can. I bet she can. I bet she fucking can. You know what? I bet she can. That's actually real easy. No, the placebo I effect is documented, you pieces of shit. Yeah. That's the realest thing. God damn it. They're just losers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, they're having fun. Yeah. And I I think that I would have fun doing what they're doing, too. I just... With them? I don't think that it's, it's the best way to accomplish what I am interested in. Because I, too... I'm interested in, in investigation. Yes. Especially investigation of, of psychic phenomena, of weird shit, of yeah. of all of that stuff. But how how does one go about proving and disproving that? I'm not sure if this is the way to do it. I think that this is an interesting way to go about it. They built their entire protocol off a surface level understanding of, of a thing that established research has gone way deeper on. Yeah. You know, and and they they do this thing, which is all these fucking people like this do, where they just they assume that everyone's so f- everyone else is so fucking stupid that their worldview must just be totally correct, that they know all that my reality tunnels fucking that's the right one because smart guys that I like said it and they don't know that there's other smart guys that said other. Right. Things, and know. yet I do think that like secular humanism is a useful belief i don't think that it's one for me for me it's not one that i would wholeheartedly hang my hat on but for me i i prefer to i don't know waffle in between belief systems to be like okay yeah rationalism reason logic science uh uh-huh those are good things to consider they're useful tools they are useful tools useful tools but i'm not going to immerse myself in that a hundred percent because that would be boring for me Oh, the, you know, and that's for me, that's the reason why hanging your hat on one tool out of a whole bunch is how you get like those bullshit chainsaw carvings of bears and you don't get actual sculpture, mm-hmm. you know, this thing fucking cut shit real good. Let's just use this. Right. Not uh, fuck the sandpaper. Fuck the. Uh, so where do we land on the world? Uh, it just keeps spinning, you know, <laughs> it just keep fucking spinning. I will. The world is the uh, it's the last card in the Trump's. It's the culmination. It's the cycle starting over again, right? It's the uh, one. What did Crowley fucking say? Like, it's the matter at hand itself, something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, it's an impasse. It's, there's always going to be this. It's a push completion, pull. but it's not. Well, yeah, there's always going to be this push pull between rationality and irrationality and the, you know, the people for whom, uh, 
there's like a lot of people that don't have an internal monologue, right? Mm -hmm. Their experience of life is entirely different than mine, right? Like that's, that's a different world they're living in. Honestly, I envy people that can just like land on one thing and be like, yep, that's my belief. Because for me, I think one of the reasons why my reality is so fucky, because I'm, I'm not like that. I cannot just land on like, I'm a skeptic. And that's my worldview, and I need science to prove that something is real. I mean, belief is the enemy. That's, that's you know. It, yeah, no, a, true. I think that's a John Keel quote, I believe. And, like, you know, that's that's where I land. I don't believe in anything. There's no, like, one. I don't have a model that I'm just like, this is correct. This is right, the one. Right, where and you're I, trying to prove or disprove yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like, to me, the, um, the, the, the rational materialist worldview is just that. Mm-hmm. Because, like I've said over and over again, like... You haven't convinced me that rationality is all there is. And I take umbrage with the fact that you think it's incumbent, someone who believes irrationality is a part of existence. Why is the burden of proof on me? Right. When you're asking me to prove that sometimes you don't need to prove Prove things. a dream you had. Yeah. Like, why is that burden of proof on, on me? Who decided that and when? The scientific method is not that fucking old. Yeah. It's a useful tool, but that's all it is. But I don't know. It's just, it's, the world represents that people don't see the world the same way as other people. And there's always going to be tension and there's always going to be turning into the thing you thought you sought to destroy. And it's just going to keep going on and on and on and nothing ever gets solved. One day you have a chakra chart in your bedroom and the other day you're testing a drunk homeless man to see his psychic powers to make yourself feel better about the fact that you once believed that you did too. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you went from being a true believer in one thing to a true believer in another. Yeah. Be an an unbeliever. Be a fucking (laughs) doubt everything you're told. Exactly. Take, you know. And have fun with it, too. For God's sake, have fun with and it. And it does seem like they're having fun with it, which I'm I'm glad for, but I don't like a self-righteous type of fun. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> That's what, it comes what I don't to. like. It comes down to you being a dick. Yeah, I don't like a self-congratulatory, <laughs> I figured it all out type of fun. Exactly. I, I grew out of that when I was like 16. Yeah. You know, take some acid and call me in the morning. Yeah. I don't know. I think that like, it's just, it's... That shit's been going, the world to me is, this shit's been going on forever. And it always will. Forever. The the balance and interplay between. Subjectivity, objectivity. Yes. And fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Believers and non-believers. And that's Anything. all I have. Right on. Well, that was very fun. That was a very fun episode. I love shitting on these people. <laughs> you bring up this type I of love, shit. I love hanging out in the mud with them. Yeah, you're going to get the most credulous side of me. It's, it's the only time I, I turn into a different character when we talk about this type of stuff <laughs> yes well i don't know there's there's a lot of fucking interesting uh research out there um that you can you can find and uh you know it's not a solved question it's all i'm saying nope yeah i don't um, think it ever will be right exactly all right well i think we're gonna is that toy you bought like some psychic bullshit is that i bought a mind flex machine that can apparently like read your brain waves to help you Move a ball in the air with your mind when you put on a headband. All right. We're going to play with that on our bonus episode. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. We're also going to talk about the harmonic egg. Excellent. We're going to get egged. Oh, I love the harmonic egg. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Hell it yeah. so much. Yeah, no, it's my favorite. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to be talking about that on our bonus episode and playing with toys. You can get access to that at our Patreon. Starting at just $5 a month, you will get access to that bonus episode 
and others, as well as to our Discord server, where we have, in fact, been running our own psychic, psychic experiments. And maybe that's why I'm going to bat so hard for it, because I have a financial interest in it as well. <laughs> but yeah, starting just $5 a month on our Patreon, patreon.com slash bazaar. You can also leave a rating and review. And we would like if you did. We would love if you did. We also have an emergency St. Germain reporting hotline. I almost forgot. Oh, we've got some fucking messages. Oh, boy. This message is for James William. I can't find your phone number. This is Tisha. Thank you. We have an emergency St. Germain reporting hotline. <laughs> James Williams. Uh, we're not James William. Don't don't know you, Tisha. <laughs> Tisha, I hope you were able to reach who you were looking for. James William, if you're listening to this Tisha and you have a 774 needs- uh, area code, uh, Tisha needs to get in touch with you. She's been trying since Tuesday. But if you see St. Germain... You can call us at 774-495-0491. At 774-495-0491. If you have any tales of Big Jerry to report. Maybe Tisha is Big Jerry. Who knows? James William. Hmm. King James. Yes. Hmm. All right. That does it for us. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And uh, have fun. Peace. Peace.